0: About your heads dear God we come to you now we just ask that you speak directly to us dear Lord so that we may hear the message you have prepared for each and every one of us this morning in Christ's name we pray amen we're going to continue in the series in his own words these are these are uh this is scripture that's pulled out this is uh the, the words and the voice of Jesus Christ and um today is uh so it's going to be a little bit of a, of a rough ride, okay? So you can go ahead and, and assume this position if you want to, okay? Um, Matthew 23 uh, is, they talk about it being like the, the upside-down part of the Beatitudes. These are the woes. This is Jesus Christ talking um, to the uh, religious leaders. These are people who should be doing better. They should be doing um, a better job. They should uh, have purer hearts. They should be leading people to heaven. And they, in the words of Jesus, they are not. And I think that this is uh, a problem that, in a sermon that has gone down through the ages, and it's surely appropriate today. So um, I guess. Um, if I offend you this morning, I think that's what God is intending. I have not wanted to preach this sermon. Um, I actually was kind of physically sick this week, and I don't know if it had to do with this, but um, these, this is a hard sermon to give. I think it pretty much strikes on every, um, it offends every person who hears these words. Uh, it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, it's going to offend you. It doesn't matter what side of, of what issue you're on, these words are going to offend you, okay? And again, these are the words of Jesus Christ. So um, I would invite you sometime this afternoon or maybe this week to open the Bible to Matthew 23 and, and read these. I would ask you also to go to Matthew 5 and read the Beatitudes and see and hear what Jesus Christ is saying because... Um, I think religion has, and I mean religion as a man-made thing, has become a problem. And I think that um, any time that, that we put anything man-made in front of Christ, it's wrong. Okay. And I think any time we can reflect on and, and go to the, to the actual words of Jesus Christ, that, that's a better thing. Okay. So that being said, it says that Jesus is speaking to the multitude... And it says that the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, okay? They hold positions of honor, all right? And therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. So Jesus Christ is laying it out there, okay? This is not an attack at their position. This is not the attack on, um, on, you know, what they should be assuming here. This is um, Jesus Christ saying, be respectful, to the positions of the church. Be respectful to those in leadership. Respect the, and honor the positions. He's not saying disrespect them, disrespect the positions. He is saying respect who they are, okay, when they, and what they're supposed to tell you, that's what we're supposed to do. And it says, but do not do according to their works. So already, here we are. We're already going at it. They're not living up to what they're supposed to do. The leadership at this point is not. They are, they've been given um, power, they've been, uh, they have assumed that power, they have responsibilities, and they are not living according to Jesus Christ. When you judge them by their works, they are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And it says, for they say, and they do not do. Okay, And that is uh, an emblematic problem of humanity all throughout the ages, is that we preach, but we don't live. And I say a lot of times when, um, when things come back to um, haunt me in my own words, my own sermons, I always say it's easier to preach than to live it. Okay, it's easier to preach it than it is to live it. For they, and, and this is another thing that, um, that I think that we do, and, and sometimes we do this to uh, maybe people that work for us, maybe people um, are kids, or maybe people that uh, look up to us or any time that we have a position where we have power over people, it's, it says that they bind up heavy burdens that are hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders. And yet they themselves would not even try to move them with one little finger. That is just a statement there. And if you are, if you are honest with yourselves, each and every one of us have been in a place or in a position to where we have laid responsibility, we have laid burdens on top of people, and it's things that we wouldn't carry and we couldn't move on our own. And that is the ultimate failure of responsibility. And it says that, but with all their works they do, it is to be seen by men. Everything they do is for show. Everything they do is for recognition. Everything they do is to appear as if they are good. They make their phylacteries broad, their their language is really showy and, and flowery, and they enlarge the border of their garments so that they appear to be high and mighty. They love the best places, but yeah, they love the best. They love the best places at the feast, the best seats in the synagogue, And they love to be out in public and to be greeted with such honor and respect. So here we have men who have assumed positions that they are unwilling to fill. And I think that that is a statement, a broad statement about humanity. We have people that are um, motivated to seek positions that they're not willing to fill properly. And I'm not speaking just politically. This is, throughout I mean, we have people who are unable or unwilling to be, you know, parents, fathers. I mean, how, how many grandma, how many grandmothers and grandfathers we have raised in a, another generation? How many uh, single moms we got filling both rows? How many single dads we got filling both rows? How many households we got where nobody's filling a row? And we got... People wanting this position, that position and they're unwilling to fill it. But yet they love all the stuff that comes with it. Okay. It says, don't imitate these guys. Don't be called rabbi, for there's only one the teacher, your Christ, and you are all brethren. We're all brothers. We're all equal. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for there's only one father, and he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. And what he's saying here is, you know, don't imitate the rabbis don't be hypocrites don't be people who assume positions that you're unwilling to fill if god puts you in a position fill that position take it and when things are in front of you and there's opportunities to make a difference and you seek that role you seek that position you seek it to be led and driven by the holy spirit so that you can appropriately fill those roles and let me just say this morning and i'm speaking to aaron phelps here this morning too okay If you are in a position and you're not adequately filling those positions, today's the time and the moment to change that around and to make a difference and to fill that position and to fill it in the way that God has called you to fill it and do it. And that is from top to bottom, no matter how low you think you are, how mighty you think you are, if there's a position in your life, then fill it and fill it with the way that God is asking you to fill it. And don't just take positions for whatever the good comes with it, unwilling to handle the burdens that come with it. Do not call anyone on earth your father. So this keeps going. And then I want to go down there to the butt In the middle of that. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. This has to be identified as a recurring theme. Throughout Jesus Christ. His very own words. When you read the, the words of Christ. There's this. Message that don't put yourself above others. Be humbled. Be people willing to serve. Be people who look at people as equals. Love them. Don't love them from lording over them, but love them as equals. And this is where we're kind of missing the boat because I think sometimes we talk about love, but we're really unwilling to love people because we don't consider them equals. And it's because of all the divisions that happen. But sometimes the division is just, they sin differently than I sin. And the way I sin is okay. The way you sin is not. And I can't look at you as an equal because of the way that you sin. But the Bible says that if you break one commandment, if you let down one thing in the law, then you're guilty of breaking it completely. And it's the Holy Spirit that convicts. Not us. Holy Spirit convicts we don't convict. We love, we encourage, we're there to pray for people. Now there are times and places when the Bible calls us to have a sit down with people to say, "Hey, you know, you're not doing right." But it also calls you before you do that to reflect on yourself and identify the times that when you got set down to say when someone told you you're not doing it right cuz you've been wrong and you've had to been set straight. Okay? So this is a recurring theme, is this, is this idea that if you want to be great, keep yourself humble. Because the more humble you are, that's just John, John 13. The greater he is, the less I have to be. You know, In order for him to be great and to be shining in my life, there has to be less of me shining in my life. Because when I shine, he comes down. And then the spotlight's on me, and it's less about him. This is a recurring theme. And, and get ready, because we're just, this is just the introduction, okay? <laughs> and it says, but, and here we go, the first woe. And, and woe is like a, it's just like an exasperation, and, and just like a, a frustration, um, an a, a exclamation of frustration, and, and letdown, and, and identifying of wrongness. And it says, woe to you scribes and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. You neither go in yourselves or you not allow those entering to go in. What's this mean? What's he saying here? Woe to you, scribes, you Pharisees, for you devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Well, the first thing you need to identify there is that there will be levels of condemnation. That's scary, isn't it? And what is being said here is that these guys have an obligation, they have a duty to lead people to heaven, to lead people to Jesus. And they're not doing it. And they're not doing it because they're not living a life that reflects that. And so not only are they not leading themselves to Christ, but because they're not leading themselves to Christ, they're not leading people under their flock to Christ. And it's one thing to miss out on. Eternity for yourself. It's a whole another issue when you've been given the responsibility to shepherd someone and you have failed in that. You guys could probably leave. I could just preach this sermon to myself, okay? Because these words are frightening. And what's even more frightening is that this isn't coming from some pastor. Some, this is, these are the words of Jesus Christ himself. Okay? So we got an obligation here, and the obligation is, first and foremost, to live a life that reflects Jesus Christ. And then the other one is, we can't shut the door on people. we got to keep the door open and lead, help lead them to Jesus Christ as well. Here's the second one. Woe to you, scribes, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you will travel to land far and wide, foreign, to win one converted... When one people, one person to Jesus, and when he's one, guess what? You end up making him. And this is Jesus Christ saying this. You end up making him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Now, what's going on here? This is the inability to have anything after conversion, any type of ministry after conversion. We're just here for the numbers. We're just here so we can put in the bulletin how many saved, how many baptized. After that, we don't care. Now, we may not say that in words. We, we especially don't put that out on the billboard. Come and get baptized. After that, we don't care. We're not going to put that out there, all right? I'm not a marketing expert, but I know a little bit more than that, right? Okay? You're like, eat our peanut butter. It's terrible. But sometimes in words and deeds... We do this. And it's our obligation to lead people, to minister them, and to shepherd them. It's our obligation to not just lead them to Christ, but also to help them in their walk, their Christian walk. Why don't we do this? The answer is pretty simple. It's not nice, but it's simple. We're selfish. We want to do our own thing. And guess what? Sometimes those first several years of the Christian walk are kind of messy. And they're kind of hard to, to, you know, there's a lot of picking up and dusting off and, and helping. And, and they're just kind of messy. And boy, I just don't know how I want to do that. And if enough of people get together on that, that becomes a pretty all-encompassing attitude in a place. But it's wrong. It's wrong. Because what ends up happening is that person goes through difficulties after they become saved, and then they don't handle those appropriately because no one's ever mentored them or showed them what the Bible says about how to handle that. They don't know how to handle it. They don't have the support mechanisms in place that a church should be providing for them to get through these situations. And then when they utterly fall on their face, bash their skulls in, figuratively, they get up and say, well, I tried church. It didn't do me any good. Christianity was nothing. So don't go there. And they tell everybody no. Well, if you're going through a tough thing, don't count on the church. Don't count on Jesus. He won't be there for you. And so now are they not only, you know, not a, a, a good sheep, but now there's enmity there between them and Christ. Woe to you, blind guides, <laughs> who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold. If you swear by the altar, it is nothing, you swear by the gift as on it, you're obliged to perform it. He keeps on, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift, okay? So he goes through this, you know, which is greater, your offering or your gift, okay? And so basically, here's what he's saying, is that um, they were continuing with these man-made rituals. They were continuing with them. And instead of getting to a place to where they were getting to a relationship with Jesus Christ, they kept pouring on, kept pouring on these oaths, these rituals, these things that people had to do that were absolutely meaningless. Okay? And, and let me let me bring this into modern terms here, because we seem to be a society of litmus tests. Anybody know what a litmus test is? These are things that you have to check off these things in order to become a member, or if you agree with these things, and you can be this. And we have established litmus tests for all kinds of different things. And if you're honest with yourself, you have a litmus test of things like who your friends are or, you know, what you, how, how long somebody can stay in your life. Or you got to do this to, to be, you know, a Christian, okay? And if you, and there's some of these boxes that if you don't check this box, then there's absolutely no way you can be a, a Christian. And, and we get to where we are passing around litmus tests to what we think and who we think can show up, who, you know, who can be a Christian, who can call themselves this. And what we are ending up doing is causing division within ourselves. We are adding on to the gospel. And because here's what we do. We do this in accordance with our beliefs. And sometimes our beliefs are hand-picked And we've left off some stuff that's in the Bible. And we leave that off our litmus test. You know why? Because we're not very good at that. And that may be too hard or, you know, I don't agree with that. And then we get into these other teams in society. And sometimes when we're on this team, you know, the view of the Bible contradicts being on that team. And sometimes we just adjust our views a little bit so that we can remain on this team. And it's wrong. And the same thing was happening here: is they were making people take false oaths, and they were leaving off the pure oaths, the good oaths. And what we do today is we handpick what parts of the Bible that we want to believe in, and then we forget about the other parts. And anytime that those parts come up, we just kind of just not listen and move around. And let me say that if the Bible hasn't offended you in a while, you're not reading it deeply enough. And you can't get to a point in your life where you say, I've got it figured out. These are my beliefs are never going to change. Those are called strong or strongholds. And the Bible is clearly against strongholds because that is a man made de- declaration. And you know that anything man made cannot stand in front of Christ and his words. And sometimes our man-made strongholds are in stark, stark competition with the words of Jesus Christ, all right? And if you are placing oaths for people, if you have a litmus test that they have to check off in order for you to call them a Christian, you need to get rid of the litmus test, okay, and start concentrating on your growth, your relationship with Jesus Christ, and how you can become a better friend, a better church member, a better person of support and love. I'm not saying you have to, you have to uh, you know, accept a person's sin, but here's the other thing. G- Jesus Christ loved us even when we were at our most sinful They were obsessed with the trivialities. They would pay the tithe, okay, on stuff like mint, cumin, things like that. But then on the weightier issues, like justice, mercy, faith, not so important. I, have, I had a person in my life, it's been years ago, and um, we had a, relationship where we would meet, and it was a mentoring, mentor, mentee, and um, anytime, um, anytime we met, I would sometimes buy lunch for both of us, and they would always... Ask me how much it was so that they could pay a tithe on the gift that they had received from him. I always thought that was kind of strange a little bit, but I I get it. But then sometimes in our talks, there were these wide open, these wide open sins that they were very accepting of. And we would try to talk about that, and there was a lot of pushback. And, And it was almost like, you know, you're not worried about the stuff that's destroying your family, but you're worried about how much you should tithe off of the $6 cheeseburger I bought you for lunch. And then on the way, and then, because I was driving home on that, and then after I said that, I realized, (gasps) I do the same thing. I get so so tore up about some of the small stuff, and in some of the gaping holes in my life, Drive on through that. I was, the pot, what is it? The pot calling the kettle black. Me and the kettle were having lunch every day. <laughs> how, much, how much did you tithe? I don't know, how much did you tithe? Arguing about that. It's stuff in our lives just destroying it, and we were both just, don't see that. Blind eye. You know where that comes from? See, captain, he wanted to go ahead and fight, and they asked him, and then he was outnumbered, but he thought he could go ahead and win, and they said, uh, do you not see all the ships? And well, he had a patch on an eye, and he put the periscope up to the patch. He says, I don't see anything. Let's move ahead. And they said he turned a blind eye to the enemy. That's where that comes from. That's what we do. Turn a blind eye to it and just keep on rolling right into to death. And then here's the other thing. The things that bring out here, justice, mercy, and faith. And let me say that if you have beliefs in your life and then you judge people or you want to apply these beliefs, there has to be an application of love. Okay? The Bible is very explicit that God is love, and if you have love in your heart, if you have love in your life and in your actions, then you have obviously have love in your heart, which is God. Okay. And if you're incapable of showing love, and you're incapable of having love in your actions and in your application in your life, then you might need to check because there may not be enough God in your love, in your life. All right. So when we apply this stuff in our lives, and someone. Wants to talk to you or have a discussion about some of these issues, and you are someone who is just a you know nothing else matters. That's that's an attitude that doesn't show love and mercy, and people are not going to react well to that. And um, anytime uh, you know what is it? There's uh, no exception rules. Anybody, in fact, I, I read an article just this week about a school board member in across the country who instituted a no exception rule in the school that he was a school board member of. Six weeks later, his son got expelled from the school because of the no exception rule that he instituted. And he is currently suing the school district because his son has been expelled from the school applying the no exception rule that he helped institute into the school he's now suing. You know what that tells you? Be careful what you wish for. You may get it. And any time you put these no exceptions up, get ready because you're going to be begging for an exception. And I'm I'm glad Jesus made an exception for me and he died for me anyways because I, I don't deserve it. What do you, scribes and Pharisees, for you cleanse the outside of the cup, but the inside is nasty. I, I have to even go on that. My, st- my stepmom tells a story about, I don't want to gross you out, Chris, I'm sorry, okay. Bring up an old memory, but she went to a, a study group, and uh, the guy one of the guys in the group hosted it at his apartment, and he was getting people drinks, and he got her a soft drink. And as she was drinking it, the lower went down, there was a very thick ring of chocolate milk <laughs> halfway down the cup. <laughs> like, didn't, we didn't wash that one, did we? So this is pretty self-explanatory, right? Sometimes we boil the outside, we shine her up. Inside, not so much. Okay. Woe to you, scribes and hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly. But inside, boy, the the language here is very, isn't it perfect? A tomb, you're a tomb. You know, whitewashed, shined up, But the inside, dead bones, spiritually dead. And I can't think of anything worse than being spiritually dead. And that can apply to a church, to a family, to an organization, to a person. And we need to make sure that we are not so worried about that outwardly, and yet we're full of dead bones. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of the fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. And yet these are the people that are going to eventually devise a scheme to kill Jesus Christ. And we do this all the time. And when we read the Bible, I, I try to pull this out a lot. We, we, when we read the Bible, we say, you know, like, gosh, how could they be so foolish? Do you not know what they're saying? Or how could they be so dumb and do stuff like that? And, you know, you read stories in the Old Testament. You know, you're, David's up on top of the roof and he looks down. Don't do it, man. Bathsheba, don't do it. How stupid can you be? You got everything. We do the same thing at, right there in the Bible. We say we wouldn't do it, but yet, even though we build monuments to the people of great, we would have been right there in it, right there in it, helping kill the prophets and destroy them. We do the very very thing that we celebrate the opposite of. So what do you think? I pound you up enough today? These are tough words. These are tough words. But I think I think, these verses need to be preached today. There's a lot in these verses and there's a lot going on in the days that we live in that are just spot on with these verses. We do things that these verses talk about to the T of what he's saying. And it's silly, and it, we, we, in that very last, whoa, it's like, we would say we wouldn't do this, but then there we are partaking in the very same thing. It's almost like when you get to the end of those, it's like, well, I wouldn't do any of this stuff, who, you know, woe to the Pharisees, I say it too, and then you get down there and they say, well, you're a Pharisee, okay, just like, you know, you are, thou art the man who... Who is this man that killed the little new lamb? Show him to me. I will kill him. Justice needs to be brought. Well, you're the guy. That happens in our lives all the time. Thank you for tuning in to Star Church's sermon. We truly hope that the sermon edified you today and brought you closer to the Lord. For more information about Star Church, visit our website at stargbchurch.com. Once again, that's stargbchurch.com. If you would like to visit our church, our address is 4925 State Road 142, El Dorado, Illinois, 62930. We now pray that God will bless you as you enter the mission field and bring his word to the world. And as always, we will see you next time here at Star Church.